0: The Flourishing Workplace podcast is all about business and nonprofit leaders who are changing things. It's for the innovators, the risk takers, and the change agents who are going beyond business as usual and they're creating the future. They are done with the status quo and they are rising to a new opportunity. They think innovation and they create it. Whether you're listening at work, at the gym, or on your commute, here, you're going to find inspiration for your business or nonprofit to have impact and to create workplaces, people, and communities that flourish.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Flourishing Workplace Podcast. My name is Connie Jacob, and I'm so excited to be joined here, not only by someone I really admire and who has just led the way in this particular space for a while, but he's also a friend. I want to welcome Steve. Osman from Rhapsody Strategies. Welcome, Steve.
0: Thank you, Connie. It's so great to be here with you. It's always the highlight of my day when I get to spend time with you. So uh, I'm so happy to be a part of this uh, chat today.
1: Well, I'm thrilled that you're here because you and I, we both have a heart for mental health and, you know, we even started something. I had hired you a few years ago to be my coach because you're an incredible business coach. And I hired you. you to be my coach, and we we launched something called National Hope Movement. And those we and I can't believe where it's gone to. There it, it is. It went national. It, it went oh. national. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> but it's incredible. And I've always really loved your heart for mental health uh, in general. But I thought maybe we could start our conversation off by. Maybe, could you share with us a little bit of what you're noticing just mental health-wise in the workplace right now?
0: Well, yeah. And so I, I, what I want to do is avoid the obvious statements, which is uh, COVID stress, which that's obviously the, head, that's the headline story. Um, but probably if I could narrow that down, it, it would be uh, what's happened because of remote work. Obviously, that's uh, there's the COVID stress on the government and what, who's going to say what and lockdowns. But in terms of uh, the remote work uh, and the interesting uh, development of, of that specifically uh, in, in business mental health, uh, probably you've encountered three camps, at least three. I've encountered three. First, the first people, and these are the minority, but they exist, uh, they're living their best life. Uh, they're, they're working from home, uh, they, they don't have stress at home, they've removed the commute, they've removed uh, the need to go into an office, they, they might be more introverted in their personality, uh, they might have a setup that works well for them. For so some people, they've never been happier. And I know, I know that's probably uh, not what everybody wants to hear, but that's true. That, that for some people, COVID has been the most wonderful thing in terms of their work environment, of course, it's horrible uh, in other ways, but for their work environment, it's great. Then the big chunk of people uh, fit in who are stressed uh, through the roof, stressed uh, kids at home, the uh, pets that are interrupting Zoom calls, uh, inadequate workspace. All kinds of, uh, you know, the work-life balance is out of whack. Not taking lunch breaks, not taking time to exercise, just in front of the computer screen all of the time. Uh, And so that there are people for sure who are at a breaking point. In fact, some have gone beyond that and have had breakdowns. And so we're hearing stories in our in my in my coaching clientele. I'm hearing some pretty intense stories about business owners uh, employees, team leaders who have cracked and snapped or on the verge, tears, uh, working with some people in, in, coaching calls that were very reserved and businesslike and professional. And now there's tears in the call and a sense of anxiety and, and even a little bit of hopelessness that's mixed in there and anger, you know, anger. I'm sure you've seen that too. And then there's one other little camp, uh, I shouldn't say a little, the one other camp. And that's the people that relied on the workplace for their social life. Mm. Uh, and maybe they're single, no kids. It was just a real part of their social. They would go to work and then after work, they'd go out for drinks with the work. Maybe they're on a workplace uh, uh, sports team or the work team goes hiking. So all of that is gone. So there's another group of people that socially... Uh, their mental health has been deeply affected because of that loss of interaction.
1: Yeah, That is a great notice. I love the three camps you've mentioned. I wonder which camp one of our listeners is putting themselves into right now as they're listening. I I think, especially the social, I feel the social one. I am a social butterfly and I, I like my introverted time, but I miss that. I definitely miss that. And, the impacts of mental health when we don't have social structures around us is, is enormous. So th- that was phenomenal. And I, I know for you, you have a heart for mental health in general. I'm curious, Steve, where has that come from?
0: Well, my background uh, is started in uh, pastoral work and theology. Uh, so, uh, and I was raised in a pastor's home. So the, the idea of serving humanity uh, as, the, as the highest uh, way, the best way, the most excellent way, it, it was certainly ingrained in me as a child that serving humanity, loving humanity, servant leadership. Uh, and so I've always had that, uh, I've, I've inherited uh, that heart of empathy and care and concern for the broken, concern for, the peop- for people who are struggling. Uh, So that's probably where I started. But then I would be I would be remiss to not also mention that I've had my own personal battles with uh, depression and nervous breakdown, mental breakdown that led to some devastating choices in my life Uh, that uh, I probably the pain of that has. Uh, it keeps me, keeps my ear tuned to l- leaders as they're sharing their story or in a coaching session or in a conversation. And uh, because of, I know how deep the pain and the loneliness of leadership is, it's incredibly a lonely place when you're, when you're leading, if you're at the t- tip of the arrow, the boss, the CEO, the president, the pastor, the executive director, whatever that might be, sometimes there's not a lot of people you can talk to. So as a coach, I like to bring that into the equation. Is that we won't just talk strategy. Of course, we'll talk strategy and how to hire the right people and how to boost your sales, all of that stuff. But also, let's talk about what's it like to be you as a leader in the context that you're in.
1: I love that, Steve, because I feel like a safe place is what a lot of people are craving. And as painful as as experiences are that we go through personally you know, in some ways they enlighten us and they awaken us and they open our eyes to those who are experiencing the same thing. And I love what you said that it wasn't necessarily like behavior is communication. And sometimes we end up in places because we are mentally just needing support. And maybe somebody needed to hear that today. There's nothing wrong with me. (laughs) I am needing support. And if I have support, I can do better. I can, I can at least see the light. I can have um, the tools that I need. And I think that you're right. Too many leaders, they are on that spearhead and they're alone. And that's the problem. I think that we've done leaders a disservice and we sometimes cause some of these problems and mental breakdowns because we allow them to be isolated. So I think it's powerful what a superpower you have as a coach to provide that. Oh yeah, and, and I do remember the author Erwin McManus. I uh, love Erwin McManus. He writes in
0: he writes in the, mostly in church context, but his books are so filled with leadership principles, they transcend uh, the religious world. But he said and I don't remember what book it is, but uh, at the end of one cha- at, at end of one of his chapters, he writes this little paragraph. And it, I've never forgotten it. Uh, I've forgotten the title of the book, but I've not forgotten the, uh, the content. And he said, every leader needs three things. And they all begin with the letter C, so it's easy to remember. Every leader needs a counselor to deal with uh, the past, what happened, uh, my hurt, my pain, my regret, forgiveness, that kind of stuff. Every, every uh, leader needs a coach, which what's my, how do I get into my future? What, where am I going? What's my future look like? And then thirdly, and I thought this was so neat, every leader needs a choreographer uh, or someone to help them guide the steps that they're in now. So to avoid the minefields or the, or the pitfalls, someone to help walk through the corporate politics, that, that kind of a guide. Uh, so I've always remembered that. And leaders don't have to be uh, as, as, as lonely as they are. Uh, and so, yeah, for those who are listening, if you feel alone, uh, please reach out, get a counselor or a coach. I don't know if you can find, uh, a, a, a choreographer that'll help you on Google or not, but someone who uh, maybe a close friend or a mentor who you can have conversations with to help you navigate your challenges successfully.
1: Yes. I would almost, you know, it's interesting. I, I almost thought you were going to say community because one of the, uh, resilience, pieces, I think, that is just going to set people up is this mix of having a counselor, having a coach, and then having community. I think you have all three of those in whatever context and whatever uh, amount that you need. Maybe you only need a counselor once a year just a heart check-in, head check-in, coach, direction, strategy, community, so you have that belonging piece but I, I, isn't that interesting, Steve, here? I thought you were going to say that. But I, I love the well, idea of a choreographer.
0: If I missed that point, don't blame me. I didn't write the book. Blame Irwin.
1: I'm going to go talk to Irwin. I'm going to tell him, <laughs> hey. <laughs> but that's phenomenal. And I think that a lot of times we think, if I need a counselor, oh, no. But no, like it's 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 a head check-in. It's a heart check-in. And so many of us carry around trauma. And we bring that. To work, we bring that to our potential. We bring that to our outcomes, and so I think that is a phenomenal piece of advice, which leads me to this idea of belonging. I I really so strongly, uh, I believe so much that belonging creates resilience, and I've been studying belonging. And so I love asking all of our podcast guests, you know, what do you think creates a culture of belonging in the workplace?
0: yeah connie i have thought so much about belonging uh in one of the exercises well first of all uh, 12 or 14 years ago a coach walked me through an exercise called mining for values which was a, a seemingly a endless list of words uh that were vir- virtues and, and meaningful words uh And out of all those words, we were to mine. I was to mine my own soul, like dig, dig into my soul and find my three, my three essential or core values. And one of them is belonging. Uh, I think there were 250 words. So of my top of my top three, one of them is my belonging. I might not say it's my it's my number one uh, value in terms of uh, how I consciously act and plan. But it's 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 sort of the foundational value about how I live my life that I want to be a part of a tribe. I want to be a part. I want to have my people. I want I want to I want to be welcomed to the table. I want my voice to be heard. Uh, and how can how can we remove that from the mental health equation? Uh, You know, Connie, you and I are both very familiar with this concept that connection uh, connection is is one of the keys to our mental health and to be disconnected. Uh, I mean, you're brilliant uh, with that, that uh, the idea that you have a bring them bring them closer uh, and that closeness as opposed to send them away, send them away. and I know, in, in, you talk about that specifically. Uh, I know it's not limited to, but specifically in terms of children and parenting. But but also as adults, uh, what what what's it like to be around a community of people that 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 don't send us away, that that don't push us away because they find out about our our hurt or our pain or our weakness or our flaws? What would that be like if if we were known? If we were known? And in spite of, who, of being known for who we are, there were people around us that brought us closer instead of pushed us away. I think in some ways that's, that's, that's the longing part in the belonging. We are longing to be uh, with the people that will love us and accept us for who we are. In a, in a business context, that's not always easy because we're, you know, we're there. It's work. It's not therapy or it's not, it's not family, even though we might use that word um uh, you know we're a family here uh, sort of but 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 still in the business context uh, within the limitations of business and professionalism we can establish and build cultures that create more belonging
1: yes and I like the differentiation you've brought up of of business and and even work feeling like family and that's and it, it could be like yeah we're all family here but mention that the context of that is probably this idea of camaraderie, of we have each other's backs at work. Uh, And so what would you say to an employer that is like, I I want to support my people? I don't know one employer that doesn't. Everyone wants to do well for their people, their company. But what would you say to them if, if they want to create belonging and a place where people feel welcome Uh, but don't want to cross that. They want to keep it professional. What would you say to them?
0: Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this. My heart goes out to business owners who are already just trying to keep the business moving, keep sales up, hire the right people, all of those business functions. And now it feels like added to their plate is they need to be some sort of a Neo uh, healthcare professional that uh, provide spa days and mental mental health therapy and maybe uh, you know uh, meditation. They have to be a yoga instructor almost. What, <laughs> in some ways, what it feels like for a business owner. So, yeah. um, so what can a business owner do? Uh, so, first of all, don't pretend that you're the wellness professional. Uh, if your if your acumen or your skill set is business, then Put your energy into creating a business environment that is that has the least amount of stress and the the, the most amount of fulfillment. So though, and that would all be business stuff. So, for example, uh, making sure that your business is on uh, good ground uh, financially, that there's strong there's a fine strong financial. Uh, foundation or stability, because what if your employees feel like we might be going under, uh, we, we, might, uh, we might be going bankrupt. Well, that, the mental health of that employee uh, is, uh, is, is, a, is, is a stressed. I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week. So what one thing a business owner can do is establish strong uh, financial solutions, and then make sure that the business model is scalable, that there's, that there's a growth trajectory. So you don't need to create spa days. That's, that comes a little bit later. What you first and foremost need to do as a business owner, or we need to do as business owners, is make sure that we have a strong business model and strong finances. And so in my conversations, uh, that's a lot of the conversation. How do we boost sales? How, we, how do we reduce our, our uh, inefficiencies and redundancies? How, how do we improve in that area? The second thing, would be uh, create an environment of innovation. So if, if, we, if we have an environment uh, where a creativity is allowed and innovation is allowed, then serendipitously or accidentally, uh, that creates positivity in the mind of the employee. So you, again, you're not giving them a massage or a pedicure, you're just creating an environment that, oh, I can be creative here. I can explore here. I can uh, evolve here. So that, that, I think that's really an important part of that process. Uh, And I know we're running out of time. So maybe I would say one other thing, uh, and that is dig into the mission and vision and values. Uh, A lot of, a lot of business owners that I know, they have a mission statement and a vision statement and values on a wall somewhere, but they never talk about it. They never celebrate it. They never operationalize it. Uh, but but when, if an employee is a part of an organization and they get a sense that there's something bigger going on, there's something meaningful, that they're going somewhere, achieving something beautiful that, that makes the world a better place, and that, and that the organization is actually living out its values, uh, then that takes away, you know, the employees. They get they, they get cynical, and their their mental health declines because they have You know, they they always say, uh, my boss always says that we believe in this and we believe in that. But there's no, they they do the opposite. So so removing that uh, that dissonance or that separation between what the company says and what the company actually does uh, really boosts that environment where there, where health and flourishing can happen. So, so, so as a business coach, I try not, I, I, yes, spa days, bring in donuts, uh, uh, exercise, mantras, yoga, all that is really good, of course. But as a business owner, the best gift that we can give to our teams and our employees is a well-run business. <laughs> something, that, something that boosts, I, this is good, we're going somewhere, we're executing, we're achieving, as opposed to all of the frustrations that come when the business is not executing well.
1: Yes. I am grinning from ear to ear because Steve, this is so refreshing. I think you just gave every business owner permission to be who they are and what they're good at. And yes, when you build a good business, your business is going to do well. It's going to financially do well. And what are we all, what creates our mental unrest right now is wondering, do I have a job? Are things stable? And so when you can do that, you're actually working in mental health by providing security and foundation. And, and I love what you said about values and purpose. Um, one of my favorite books on depression is lost connections by Johan Hari. And he talks about the lost connection of meaningful work um, purpose that is right. creating depression. That's creating the languishing we're hearing about. So Yeah. These are things that you business owners and us, us business owners are already good at. So let's, let's utilize them. Steve, that was, that was amazing. I feel like we have just gotten so much value from you today. You work in this, uh, we work in this and we would encourage any business owner that's stuck in any of these areas, reach out to Steve, reach out to us, get some help. We're here to help, but Steve, you're just such a breath of fresh air. I I love your strategic mind. I'll still never forget. We can't just hope that things will get better. We need hope in the form of a plan. And you do that on the daily for people. So thanks so much for coming and chatting with me today.
0: Thank you for the opportunity.